millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 830 on Wednesday, October 21st. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a federal ruling allows Mississippi voters to correct rejected absentee ballots. Then, at the urging of vendors, the Commissioner of Agriculture extends the state fair. Plus, since 1950, more strong tornadoes have occurred in November than any other month except May. We examine what causes Mississippi's severe fall weather. This is Mississippi Edition on MPV Think Radio. A federal judge's ruling is instructing the Mississippi Secretary of State's office to allow voters the chance to correct rejected absentee ballots. The provision, which is a result of a federal lawsuit brought by voting rights organizations to expand absentee voting in the state, says ballots rejected due to signature problems will be eligible for correction. Christy Wheeler is with the League of Women Voters of Mississippi, one of the plaintiffs in the suit. She tells our Desiree Frazier this ruling doesn't account for the missed opportunities to expand absentee voting. First and foremost, I'm disappointed that we were not successful in, in the case in expanding absentee voting for all Mississippians due to the pandemic. I wish that we had been able to accomplish that goal, but we were not able to do that. So um, I'm content that the curbside voting expansion is, is going to be a benefit, and I'm very, very happy about the cure for absentee ballots with signature mismatches. I think that those came directly out of the lawsuit. I'm very pleased that the Secretary of State has taken the initiative to, to make both of those things happen. It will be good for the voters in Mississippi. Had you thought that the judge would side with your case and ultimately allow people to vote outside of November 3rd or vote? Yeah, it would have to be outside of November 3rd to open up absentee ballot voting. I had hoped that. I had no real expectations. I think that uh, the the court's Um, can be very um, unpredictable at times. And um, we were fighting against uh, a lot of deadlines. Uh, So I I really had no expectations that that was going to happen. I had hopes, but not expectations. Overall, are you pleased that the lawsuit was filed? Yes. 
because I think we've gained some headway with, with absentee voting. Uh, I, I think that uh, there were some good consequences. So absolutely, this was a win for Mississippi voters. Anything that I didn't ask you that you'd like to share about this? We will be fighting for for expansion of, of voting rights in the 2021 legislature because this is very important to us. And in the midst, we are seeing... COVID-19 cases increase. So the idea of making more opportunities available to vote is something that some Mississippians would probably welcome. Absolutely. And unfortunately, the reality is COVID-19 is not going away tomorrow or next week or next month or potentially not even next year. So we have to be prepared to expand voting rights for next year also. Ms. Wheeler, we appreciate your time in speaking with us. Thank you. Thank you very much, Desiree. Over 120,000 absentee ballots have been requested for November's general election. That number already surpasses the total request from 2016 by 10,000. Coming up, at the urging of vendors, the Commissioner of Agriculture extends the state fair. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. A contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The Mississippi State Fair was scheduled to end on Sunday, but after conversations with fair vendors, Commissioner of Agriculture and Commerce Andy Gibson is extending the event. The fair's first weekend was significantly affected by Hurricane Delta, shortening operating hours and driving attendance down. The coronavirus pandemic also presented challenges with capacity limits and social distance monitoring. Gibson tells our Kobe Vance he hopes the combination of favorable weather and eager vendors will make for a successful extended weekend. Talking to these vendors, eyeball to eyeball, you know, face to face, they all are very, very appreciative to have an event like this, to be able to, to sell their food, to, to sell their products, and to try to make a living during these times. It's been a very difficult year for these folks, and, and we're glad uh, we could extend it one week, uh, one weekend. That's the least we could do. And so uh, we talked briefly a few days ago that um, – that the state fair had not hit that 50% capacity uh, limit yet. Um, do we see that limit hit over this weekend? No, we never saw the limit hit. And when I say 50% capacity, what I mean is the two, we have a 200-person per acre limit here on the fairgrounds that we put into place in consultation with the health department and uh, safety experts, and at, that's, that's at one time. So uh, there were days that we had, uh, if, you, if you looked at the whole day, we had more than 50% of that uh, capacity. In fact, one day we had 100% of that capacity, but it was over the whole course of a day. But tracking it real time, there was never a time that I'm aware of that we ever exceeded, uh, say, 100 people per acre at one time. People come and go during the day. But uh, I think our highest attended day was this past Saturday, which was uh, 
uh, right at 200 people per acre for the entire 24-hour day. Now, uh, there's been some pictures coming out of the fair, and uh, some people are concerned about low mask usage. Um, How are y'all, what are your thoughts on that, and uh, how are y'all encouraging people to uh, continue masking even if it's not required? Yeah, well, we are following the protocols that that existed under the governor's prior order for outdoor events. Even though it's not in effect anymore, we're still following that, which is maintain six-foot social distancing or wear a mask. And to help encourage people to do that, we're actually giving a mask to everybody who comes in the gates that doesn't have one. Uh, We give it to them. They have it. Whether they use it or not, it's really up to them. It's a matter of personal responsibility. uh, it, it is important that we uh, that we maintain awareness that this virus is real. And I, my own experience here at the fair is watching people. Uh, you know, there are some times that we have crowds that clump up together, and when, when they do that, we send folks in to remind them to either put on their mask or, or spread it out. But for the most part, uh, I saw every day people exercising that kind of personal responsibility either staying six feet from others, or if they can't do that, they'd put on a mask. Families staying together, keeping social distance. And we haven't had a single case of uh, COVID here among any of our workers or the staff or the volunteers here. So I think, you know, like, like the doctors have been saying, it's a great benefit to be outdoor event versus indoor. Great, great advantageous aspect of the fair is it is all outdoor. And now at the start of the fair and when it was being planned, um, uh, cases went down. The mask mandate was lifted for the state, and, um, you know, y'all chose to not require a mask at the fair. Um, but now, you know, cases have gone up a little bit, and the governor recently issued orders for specific, specific counties. Are you concerned about people coming from those hotspot areas to the fair? Um, would you encourage uh, them out of other people to wear masks uh, even more? You know we're gonna we're gonna encourage everybody to do what they need to do to to minimize the transmission of COVID nineteen, and we're gonna keep doing this the same plan that we've had the last twelve days. It seems to work very well. Uh, we encourage people who are you know obviously who are sick or who feel they may have been exposed don't come to the fair. We have signs that actually say that here on the fairgrounds. Uh, but for those who do come, uh, the key is maintain that social distance. Don't clump up, you know, keep your family together and don't don't clump up with other families. And, uh, you know, keep your social distance or wear a mask. It's the, that's, the, that's the public health guidance that we have from the CDC. You know, people just can use common sense and, and this virus will, will take care of itself as we social distance and wear a mask when we can't. Andy Gibson is the Commissioner of Agriculture and Commerce. This weekend also marks the last weekend of the Agriculture and Forestry Museum's Pumpkin Days event. Coming up, since 1950, more strong tornadoes have occurred in November than any other month except May. We examine what causes Mississippi's severe fall weather. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. 
Today's forecast calls for sunny skies, but residents across the state will be hearing the sounds of tornado sirens this morning. The alarm is part of a statewide tornado drill happening in observance of fall severe weather preparedness week. Since 1950, November has experienced more strong tornadoes than any other month besides May. Meteorologist John Moore is with the National Weather Service in Jackson. He says severe weather occurs when cooler air from the north overtakes warmer air masses in the south. In Mississippi, we have two primary severe weather seasons. One is in the spring. That's when we start to see uh, warmer air masses starting to overtake colder air masses setting up for uh, the summertime. And when we get these air masses air masses mixing up, uh, we get severe weather. Well, the same thing happens in the fall when we start to see these cooler air masses from the north starting to overtake the warmer air masses that we have here in Mississippi. And that sets up uh, thunderstorms. And anytime you have an increased chance of thunderstorms, you have an increased chance for severe weather. So that's why we get a lot of severe weather in the fall and spring in Mississippi. Does it make a difference whether it's warm air overtaking cold air or cold air overtaking warm air? Usually when we get the, the warm air uh, rising, cooling, condensing, that's where we get our stronger thunderstorms in Mississippi. So usually it's the, the, the cool air pushing in uh, we, when we see a cold front uh, pushing into the area and overtaking the warm air. So when we see a lot of thunderstorms. What month in the fall are we most likely to see thunderstorms? From November all the way to January, pretty much, uh, we see an uh, increase in tornadic activity and thunderstorm activity from once we get into late, later November, December, and January. And we start to see a little of a break towards the end of January, but it picks back up right there in February. So usually in October, early November, we have you know, what we've been experiencing the last few days with high pressure over us. And sometimes, like I said, they can last until early November. But once we start to see those cold fronts almost on a weekly basis starting to push into Mississippi, that's when we start to see the severe weather tick up towards mid to late November here. Are we more susceptible not only to tornadoes, but I, I know with thunderstorms, there's a possibility of tornadoes. But what about hail or wind? So the hail threat isn't that great uh, during the fall severe weather season. But there is uh, there is chances of hail anytime you get thunderstorms, and uh, we'll start to see that tick up uh, later in the fall severe weather season. So when we get in January, uh, in the, uh, early February, so we'll start to see that tick up. Uh, but flash flooding, when we're talking about severe weather threats, is a weather threat that we definitely see in the fall time of the year, in the fall severe weather season, because of the increase in thunderstorm activity. I know that. In- Recent years, Christmas Day, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day have been horrible yes. for, for tornadic activity and strong storms. That's just the luck of the draw? Yes, uh, but we've seen, uh, I remember a stat from, the, from last Christmas where, you know, so many of our last few Christmas days have been some of the warmest that we've seen since we've been, you know, recording uh climatological records for Mississippi. So that warm weather definitely has a, you know, a lot to do with the increasing thunderstorms that we see around that time period of year, because we've been so warm. It seems like towards the end of December, uh, then years prior over the last five years or so, we've been so warm during that period of the year. Anything else you'd like to add about tornadoes? Uh, I would just urge people to uh, remember their severe weather, uh, to put it together a severe weather safety plan and be ready to act. Uh, have multiple ways to receive watches and warnings. And if you're listening to this, you know, 
talk to your family about going over a severe weather safety plan, especially if you live in a structure that's not well built, such as a mobile home. Or that's a place you definitely want to put a plan ahead of time uh, in case a tornado watches this you and you have somewhere to go. Also, uh, get in t- contact with your local uh, emergency management directors or local county officials to see where your shelters are located at in your county in case you may have to escape to a, a shelter or take a shelter in a shelter prior to severe weather. John Moore is a meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Jackson. John, thank you so much for some good information. Thank you. Today's statewide tornado drill will happen this morning at 9.15. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.